Hi, welcome to the third episode of The 40 Tellers. Today's guest is Mike Heath, an old classmate and friend of mine. He shares his journey into fatherhood by way of surrogacy. I enjoyed catching up with him and hearing about his life over the past 20 years. I think you'll enjoy listening to his story as well. I'm your host, Charlotte Avery, and I'd like to thank Humble North as today's episode sponsor. Humble North is a graphic teen design shop where you can find some of your favorite verses on each of their collections. Be sure to visit their online shop, humblenorth.com, to download your free lock screens. Now for today's episode. Hey, Mike, welcome to the 40 Tellers. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I got at least four hours of sleep last night. Um, that's impressive, considering you have newborn babies at home. How old are they? Uh, they turned three months on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Um, I can't wait to hear all about them, but um, let's just real quick introduce um, yourself. Tell me where you are in the world and what you do with your life and your family and just a, just a short introduction. Sure. I um, live in Snoqualmie, Washington, which is about 30 minutes east of the city of Seattle. And I'm an attorney for Expedia which has its world headquarters in Bellevue, Washington. Uh, and I live out here with my husband, Chris, who's a financial advisor with Morgan Stanley, and our two newborn babies, uh, Margaret, Catherine, and Sean Francis. Those are such cute names. How did you guys decide those names? Um, well, <laughs> for the first seven months of the pregnancy, we were told that we were having two boys oh wow so fortunately we we actually got a we, we had our children via um surrogate um and our surrogate ashley lives in texas and she sent us a text one day when we were driving over to walla walla for some wine tasting and the text said hey guys um there's something i need to tell you but i don't want to say it over text can you please facetime me right away which, oh of course, God. freaked us out. We were like, oh, my, oh, my God, something's happened to the babies, or she's in labor, or the baby's already born. Um, but she, we got on FaceTime with her, and she's like, you're having, you're having a girl. Uh, she had wanted to get us a 3D ultrasound um, as a sort of a, a gift because uh, the doctor she, did, she went to didn't provide that service, so she found a service that does sort of keepsake ultrasounds. And the tech there um, was like, hey, I don't know who, who told you you were having two boys, but there's definitely one hot dog and one hamburger in here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> um, she's like, oh, no, that, that's not possible. The guys had genetic testing done at the clinic in L.A. Like, it's, you know, that's not right. So the clinic was like, oh, okay. So she came back a week later, and the manager did it with her. And she's like, nope, see, look right here. That's definitely a girl. Um, and then she went back and had a doctor confirm it. And, and so, um, yep, then we're having a girl. So um, Margaret is the name of both of my grandmothers and my great-grandmother and my one of my aunts and my sister's middle name and my mother's middle name. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. And then Sean is just a name we liked. Cool. And then Francis is after St. Francis and the Pope um, – Pope Francis and Catherine is um, a saint, um, but my husband's the Catholic one, so he would know which one. 
<laughs> I was going to ask if you're a Catholic. I didn't remember that. Um, I'm not. Um, I do enjoy going to mass with Chris, but um, Chris cool. is from a, a very Catholic Filipino family, and it's still an important part of his life and therefore an important part of mine. Good. I love it. Well, before we um, we um, dive into the story about your kids coming into this world, um, just to share a little bit of information about how I know you, you and I, we went to high school together. Did we? In middle school as well, right? Uh, Chinook? Yeah. Yeah, what, I was in seven, or C Hall both, both years. Um, I don't even remember what hall I was in. Really? <laughs> like, I seriously don't. <laughs> I'm sure somebody can remind me. I had to go over to but, A Hall for math, but that was about it. Got it. Wow, that's a good memory. Why? I don't know why I can't remember that. Probably because you didn't have to schlep down the school hallway to go to your math class. <laughs> I'm thinking I was in A Hall, though. That sounds, it's the very first hall when you walk in the front doors, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, so we were in some classes together and we got to be good friends. Remind me this. We went to a dance together, but did we ever, we didn't really date, right? Um, or did we date? Would you consider us dating? I think we dated in the, I, high, in the high school kind of way of dating. Yeah, that's like, okay. Laura like a, and I had this whole conversation about this. I think I always, it was like a month. Yeah, I always joke that you were the one that got away because <laughs> it's kind of curious. You uh, <laughs> weren't really interested in girls after all. Yeah, I was thinking about this last night, and this might get too awkward, so maybe you'll have to edit it out. But um, I can distinctly remember um, that car, that cool car you had. <laughs> <laughs> the black one? Uh-huh. Oh, and, it was my father's. <laughs> yeah, and us sort of, you know, hanging out in the car and doing what teenagers do in cars. At oh, least, my gosh. At least some of what teenagers do in cars. And, you know, I was definitely into it. And I was like, you know, because I was trying to think, like, why did it take me so long to come out? Because I was 27 when I came out. Okay. So I did not know that it took that long. Oh, my gosh. It did. Yep. Um, do you other, feel like you always knew, though? And it just was a process? Re- only in retrospect. Um, and, you know, I have this conversation, like, Chris, Chris knew when he was very young and there was never any question for him at all. Uh, I have other friends of mine who dated girls for a very long time. I have friends of mine who were married and have children. Um, so I think there's just a big range of, of human sexuality that the, uh, you know, our tendency to put people in bucket A or bucket B doesn't really capture very well. I totally get that. Um, but so yeah, it just took me a long time. Cool. I mean, you guys have been together a long time now, you and your husband. Uh, yeah, I sort of went through my coming out process. Actually, I was in Costa Rica studying Spanish. Um, I was living there for a month, and and things started clicking for me. I won't go into too much detail, but down in on a beach, uh, <laughs> I met a guy near Manuel, Manuel Antonio National Park. Um, and oh, I, I love that place. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So nice. And I sort of met him, spent a day together. The next day, I happened to get a horseback riding for the first time ever in swim trunks. Uh, so the stirrups rubbed my legs kind of raw. And I went into oh, gosh. the anaphylactic shock. <gasps> and I had to go home. 
And I was like, oh, is it because of what I did yesterday? Like, why? What's happening to me? <laughs> like you were being punished? <laughs> I was like, what's happening to me? Um, and then, I, I don't know, I came home and I, I actually moved back to Olympia where I worked for the state Supreme Court for a year. And I dated a lovely woman who was everything I thought I ever wanted. And I was like, all right, I just, nope, I'm barking up the wrong tree. So I went home and I changed my Match.com profile from man-seeking woman to man-seeking man. And like two weeks later, um, met Chris. And two weeks after that, we had a first date at Snoqualmie Pass, like right near where we live now. At oh, my goodness. 10-hour first date. Nine months after that, we owned a house together. 11 months after that, we split up. And Chris um, went off to go to school to become a Catholic priest. <laughs> oh my god! Yep, and this then is it, way better than I even anticipated. <laughs> a couple of years after that, we got back together, and then we split up again, and then we finally got back together again. Um, and I think we got married around the ten-year mark of having known each other. And Betty, remember Betty Mai? Of course. She likes to joke with me that it's it's not really that you and Chris dated for ten years. You guys have had so much change in your lives that you really have three distinct relationships when each of you were just different people and at different places in your lives. Um, so that is why our, our wedding dance was to Rascal Flats, Broken Roads, or I'm not sure what the song's called, but God bless the broken road that led me here to you. <laughs> I think that most people can relate to that. Yeah, so it was an interesting journey. So he, um, he was actually your first relationship then with a man. Yep. Interesting. Yep. I love that. And my second and my third. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys have made a very nice life together. Um, I would love for you to talk about your guys' journey into becoming parents. And, um, you know, did you guys consider other options or did you know that you always – wanted to have a surrogate and um, whatever you're comfortable with sharing. Sure. We knew we always wanted to have kids. Um, I always thought it was something that would happen. Um, the very first person I came out to was my friend Lara. And the very first thing she did was send me a book called The Kid, I think. Dan Savage had written a book about his journey having a kid. So the very first thing I read after coming out was this book about Dan Savage and his then partner, now husband, and their journey to have a kid. So it's always been something I'd thought about. Chris had always wanted kids, but from his frame of reference, it just seemed like a complete impossibility that he'd ever be able to marry someone and much less have kids. So, um, but we'd always wanted kids. So when we finally um, got married, that was probably one of the very first things we did. We attended a seminar on adoption. Uh, we looked into the foster care program, and then we looked into surrogacy. And there's definite pluses and minuses to each each method. And when I say surrogacy, I'm referring to, um, I think it's called the gestational carrier. Our surrogate is not the same as our egg donor. Okay. Um, so we, the, the main, so we just sort of hemmed and hawed about it for about a month. And then finally we were like, okay, let's, let's just say in order, which, which one you would do first. 
Uh, and we both, I think I was inclined to do either surrogacy or foster care, and he was inclined to do either surrogacy or adoption. So we settled on surrogacy. The one um, thing you agreed on. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's extremely, like, extremely expensive, as you can imagine. Um, so yeah. we, we sold my condo in Seattle and Chris's townhome in Seattle. And part of the process of our journey was to um, move out to Snoqualmie for two reasons. One, we could buy a house that could fit a family at a price that would leave enough money left over to get us significantly on our way to our surrogacy journey. Um, and then to be in sort of a child-centric community. So that's that's what moved us off of the neighborhood of Capitol Hill in Seattle and <laughs> out to the exurbs of Seattle where we we still haven't really met more than one or two other gay couples um, out here in Columbia. In that area. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't think we anticipated, I think most people leave the city like when their kids are one or two years old and move out here. It's very interesting to move to such a kid-centric part of the, the state without kids because you can't meet anybody. Like we spent the first two years out here, people were like, why, why do you live here? Like what? Uh, it's really hard to meet people unless you're at soccer practice or, you know, the karate studio with your kids or the ballet studio or a PTA meeting or something like that. So. Right. So you guys decided on um, taking that route of surrogacy. And how, what was the length of time that you decided that's what you were going to do? And then the process of actually finding Ashley so like, we, what was that length of time, and how were you able to find her? I think all said and done, it took two years, maybe. Um, we signed up with an agency based in Boston. And the process involves sort of creating a profile about yourself. Because uh, the way it works, at least with the agency we chose, is you put together, you know, your story, some pictures of you and what your family's like and why you want to have kids and how you want to raise them and, and all that kind of stuff. And then the surrogates, the women who will spend a significant chunk of time carrying your children and bringing them into the world, they get to pick the families they want to work with. And then we did a, a Skype date, um, actually with a different surrogate first. And I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. But we did a Skype date first. And then if you both mutually agree, you let the agency know. And then the agency knows that you've matched. On the egg donor side, it's much more like online dating where you get profiles of uh, women who are interested in donating their eggs and you get to read about them and their family's medical history, um, pictures, all that kind of stuff. And then you have a Skype date as well, or you can choose to have a Skype date as well. And we, ch we chose to work with an egg donor who was comfortable Skyping with us first because uh, we really wanted not necessarily for the egg donor to have a major role in the kid's life, but so mostly we wanted um, access to ongoing medical history. So if she developed breast cancer or, you know, some other medical issue during their lifetime, that's valuable information for your, your kids to know. Um, and we also just plan to tell a very open story to our kids as they ask age-appropriate questions. We don't right. want to sort of create a create a story that isn't um, truthful. So we wanted to be able to 
you know, let them know exactly who all the players were in the, in the, in, in the process that brought them into the world. And, um, and so that was important to us. But, um, so it took two years because our first, we, we chose twins, um, naively at the time because the agency was like, Oh, people have twins all the time. The pregnancies aren't that more risky, you know, and it's way cheaper for, you know, it's, it's, you know, only 25% more if you have twins. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's like, I mean, it's, well, it's, it's like 185 for one and 215 for two were the numbers we were quoted at the time. And I don't think we ever added up how much it actually cost, but it was definitely. Up oh my goodness. Yeah. Hence the, the sale of our houses. Um, so uh, I don't think that's a, I don't think having twins is a choice we would have made. Again, we, we took some parenting classes with other folks who were pregnant with twins and realized very quickly that this twin pregnancies are not anything to sort of brush aside as being the same as a singleton pregnancy. So, um, but so we picked our first surrogate, our first surrogate picked us cause she's had her own twins and she carried them 39 weeks and they were like eight pounds each at birth. Kind of like Jennifer Lemmerton's twins. Oh my goodness. Uh, and we were like, wow, that's great. She's like 23, super into it. She's like, oh yeah, I saw it on army wise. It sounds like something I want to do. It'll be cool. And we were like, okay, cool. Um, but she ended up being medically disqualified because um, she wasn't responding to some of the um, the drugs that you need to take so you can have a nice fluffy uterine lining <laughs> to receive <laughs> to receive the fertilized interesting uh, blastocytes. Uh, so we were with her for about nine months, and we found out just before Christmas that she'd been medically disqualified, and we were super bummed out. Um, and then I think on Christmas Day. Uh, we got a note from our agency saying that this woman in Oklahoma wanted to um, be our surrogate, and that was Ashley. Um, and she she was unbelievable. She was just the most amazing woman. Um, we're flying. I don't know if you read that little blog post. That I her did. Boyfriend. Yeah. So they yes, were. Just, I revisited it today, and it's just a really beautiful story. And I'll, yeah, it's very I'll have powerful. to link it in the show notes. Yeah, you should. Um, it was really great to have his perspective of the whole process to help put the day in perspective. But um, uh, we flew down to Texas for the 10 week ultrasound. Our, our clinic was out in LA and I think that might've been her first time on an airplane flying out to LA to um, have the blastocytes implanted. <laughs> Even lots of new vocabulary. I know, um, right? This is fascinating. And so we, we flew to Texas to, um, listen to the kids' heartbeats at the 10-week sonogram and meet Ashley. I kid you not, but that, like, heartbeat song came on in the doctor's office while we were hearing the heartbeats of our children. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's kind of funny. And then we <laughs> flew back out for the 20-week ultrasound, and Ashley's family threw us, like, a barbecue with um, some tasty food, Texas food, and lots of sweet tea. So would you say you guys were able to forge a friendship over the... Oh, absolutely. And we're flying them out here in July or August, um, Ashley and her boyfriend, Sean, so they can, um, you know, see the kids and see where they're going to grow up. And, you know, meet, that It just amazes me. I had two pregnancies. One ended in miscarriage and the second obviously was my uh, daughter, Brooklyn, but I 
had really difficult pregnancies and I did not enjoy them at all. And so for someone, when I hear about people becoming surrogates, I'm so intrigued because it's such a selfless thing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, did Ashley ever articulate what it was that um, motivated or inspired her to want to do it? Um, not, not nothing specific. Um, I think it's just in her nature to be giving and want to help people. And I think she either knew someone else who was, was a surrogate, but she'd been considering it for several years and specifically wanted to wait until the youngest of her two kids had reached first grade where she felt she would have the space in her, in her life to be able to take that on. Um, and I think then she, she wanted to use some of the money to, for schooling. So I think that was as well. Um, and she's, I mean, I, I won't say she had an easy pregnancy because I wasn't the one pregnant, but, um, it, she certainly made it look easy. Um, she, and she was so sweet. She bought us belly buds. I don't know if you've ever heard of belly buds, but they no. allow you to record, like you can read books or sing songs and record it, upload it to the web, and then she can download it and then play it to the kids in in utero. No way. Um, that is so cool. Which was a kind of a weird experience. Um, <laughs> but super fun. Um, and then she had these pregnancy photos taken. Sean took some pregnancy photos of her, uh, and the star new star Wars movie was coming out. So there's a few of her like in this like dramatic Texas landscape with a really sort of like threatening clouds behind her. And she's like, I don't know, seven or eight months pregnant with twins and she's holding <laughs> like lightsabers. It's the most amazing oh photograph. Gosh. I'll have to send it to you. You can make it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> too. Um, but they, they're just great. Um, um, she, her doctor was pretty incredible. We were a little bit worried because um, she moved from Oklahoma to, to Northern Texas partway through the pregnancy. And we were like, Oh my God, how, how is the medical staff at a hospital on the Texas Oklahoma border going to react to these two gay guys coming in to have like kids at their hospital? Oh, interesting. Um, and what's your family going to think? But everyone, I mean, maybe it's just the Texas way, but everyone we met was so nice to us. Um, we had such an incredible experience. Her doctor's office was very sweet. Her doctor was kind of a, a jokester kind of guy. He, But he, he knows the stuff. Like, he called. He, Ashley, at the end of pregnancy, was coming in every Wednesday, and he's like, tell the guys to fly here Friday. So we got a call on Wednesday. We flew there Friday. Um, took her out to dinner Saturday at five o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning. She's like, Hey guys, it's time to go. We're like, okay, we'll meet you at the hospital. We meet the hospital around seven. Um, nurses wandering around seven thirty. There's some paperwork. Um, uh, the epidural happened. The doctor showed up at like eight forty-five. Sean showed up at nine fifteen, and Maggie showed up fifteen minutes later. <laughs> oh my goodness! Four pushes for Sean, and I think. I don't know, seven pushes for Maggie. Wow. They were, it was 37, almost 37 weeks, and they were just shy of six pounds each. Wow. That's pretty good for twins. Um, I, I remember Sean writing in the, in the, the blog post that you mentioned about your guys' story about you being really, um, nervous (laughs) during the, the labor and delivery. 
Yes. And there's a picture of you like with your head and your hands. Like, I just wonder if you could like revisit that moment because I love the picture. It's hilarious. It's a great photograph. I'm going to sort of ruin it for you a little bit. I, I was just so nervous that I hadn't slept at all the night before we got on the airplane. And I had such, like, I literally slept zero hours. And then the night, um, the night that she ended up going to labor, I also slept basically zero hours. So I was sitting in that chair because I hadn't slept in, in 72 hours. Oh my goodness. You're just exhausted. <laughs> but we were really nervous. And Sean was a great photographer and just sort of followed us around. I think Chris and I were mostly in shock about how quick everything was happening. And I was waiting for like the movie scene where there was going to be like some screaming or something. And <laughs> she was just sort of, they were, they were like, the doctor came in and, Ashley is so calm and cool and collected. I mean, like, seriously, this woman has it together. She's just so even keeled. Um, and, you know, there were like 15 people in the room. She's like, oh, no, you know, I don't care. Anyone that wants. My, my mother had flown down, although she didn't make it in to, for the delivery. But Ashley's mom was there. Sean was there. Uh, a couple of people were there. A battery of nurses were there. Um, and, it was basically like the doctor's like, all right, here comes Sean. And then there was Sean. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Game on. And then, um, you know, there were some chatting between the nurses and the doctor that I didn't really understand. Uh, I think they had to reposition Maggie. She, she was probably like, oh, thank God. I finally have some room up in here. Um, the theory <laughs> is Sean came out so quickly because she was like kicking him out. Uh, so I think she probably, if she had her way, would have just hung out up in there for like three more hours. But the doctor was basically like, I got things to do. I'm going in. So he just sort of like came in and dragged Maggie out. And you could totally tell the difference because Sean came out screaming like you'd expect a baby to. Maggie came out like sort of like going like, wait, what? What? What, <laughs> what, what just happened? Why am I here? <laughs> um, so I don't know. It was, it was intense. Um, and amazing. And then, oh, I, I can only imagine. And then Ashley was sort of up and at it in a few hours. Hanging amazing. out, chit-chatting. So the babies stayed, um, obviously, in the hospital for how long? We did, um, gosh, so Saturday, I think we left Tuesday morning. But at one point, they came, you guys went back to the hotel with them, and then you guys flew home? Yeah, so we, I think we stayed so long in the hospital, mostly because we were, I was just terrified that of every noise that they made, and that they would continue to breathe, and they were so small. Um, so each night, we actually had the, the nursery staff uh, take care of them, partly because oh, I just hadn't slept. Um, so we caught up on our sleep. Um, and then the, at, at that point, the uh, pediatrician on staff, whose name also happened to be Margaret, um, was like, Hey guys, just stay one more day and then you won't have to come back in for the pediatrician checkup. So we stayed an extra day. Uh, and then took them home to, um, like a holiday inn that had free laundry and a <laughs> little microwave and a sink in the room. And we decorated it with Christmas decorations and Ashley and her sister came over and hung out. Um, cause she, Ashley, at that point, Ashley had just started pumping breast milk for us. Um, so we hung out 
So we, we flew home a week after they were born. That And that just fascinates me that you took newborn babies on an airplane. That had to have been terrifying. It, it was. Um, the doctor was like, hey, as long as there's no ear issues and as long as they're breathing fine, just make sure that, like, you know, everyone loves to look at twins. Just don't let them. So we we planned for this. We had my we flew my mom and and her fiance down, and we bought seats for the kids. So we we were able to get two full rows next to each other. So it was you know grandma, baby, dad, dad, baby, grandpa, and we stuck them in their car seats. And we had these little covers over their car seats, and we like took the wet wipes and wiped down every surface of the airplane. <laughs> And then the kids, <laughs> the kids like didn't even know they were out of the hotel room. They just didn't make a peep the entire time. Slept They're the entire still time. Sleepy. Yeah. We, we fed them one time, changed their diaper one time, and that was it. My goodness, that's awesome. That's nice that you had the help too. So now, um, so you've been at home this past three months with them, being their primary caregiver, mm-hmm. and you're on uh, paternity leave. Is that correct? Yep. So how long are you able to do that? I um, I took advantage of the fact that the Expedia legal department is uh, split between Bellevue and London. And in London, new parents get a year. So I negotiated for, for five months. Oh, that's great. Well, I negotiated to return. So some One of the women in the office advised that I not negotiate a fixed period of time, that I just negotiate a fixed return date. So I, I'm returning May 2nd. That way, if they had been really premature, I would have just been out even longer to deal, oh, right. to deal with that. Um, so I'm so, dying yeah. to hear, how, how is it? Uh, it's good. How are, you, how are you surviving? We, um, well, I'll hit on your theme of being 40. I, <laughs> we, <laughs> we quickly realized, uh, and we had done some classes through Swedish hospital here in Seattle for um, people expecting twins. And um, we were aware of the fact that um, sleeping can be an issue. Um, So we tried it for a little bit. And my mother, when she, she flew into Texas, but she also came up to stay with us for what ended up being two months. Um, (laughs) But we, we tried the sleeping thing, but, but with the twins, uh, I mean, newborns generally don't sleep very long, but even up until like a week ago, you know, or even last night, like I put them to bed at quarter to nine and Sean or Maggie woke up at 1130. Sean woke up at 1230. Maggie woke up at two. Sean woke up at three. Maggie woke up at 430. You just, you know, you don't get any sleep. So they, I mean, they each have their own schedule. It's not like they're waking up and feeding at the same time. No. And it's difficult to feed twins at the same time. I would say it's difficult. One of the reasons it was wonderful to have my mother around is because, you know, I want my babies to be held by human feeding. And when there's one of you and two kids, it's really hard to get in like a sufficient amount of cuddle time. Um, Especially when they're both crying and hungry, what you end up doing is I've got this like twin boppy thing. I'll just plop them both in it and just stick bottles in their faces like they're, (laughs) I don't know, just, you know, super not cuddly. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) here, eat, shut up. (laughs) Um, But we we basically had, 
we bought our way out of the sleeping, sleeping problem. I found a woman who was a surrogate before with the actually the same agency we used as a coincidence who lives in a small town, two small towns away from our small town. And she's been coming for between six and eight hours each night for about five nights a week uh, to serve as a night nurse. Oh my gosh. That is how we've been. That's a dream. Yeah. Part of the reason uh, to give a little color, Chris, Chris changed firms. He moved his financial advising practice from UBS to Morgan Stanley, uh, right? Like the beginning of January. So he's been, um, I've been a single parent basically for a couple of months. So we've, in order to facilitate that transition, have had to rely on very heavily on family and then um, having paid caregivers. Yeah, I, I mean, it takes a village. I remember those first three months so clearly and just how you're sleep deprived. And it's just when you don't have sleep, it just affects everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, don't, yeah. I can't remember the last time I sort of wept uncontrollably as an adult but there was a moment i i don't mean to la- laugh know, i'm sorry <laughs> i don't remember like when it was and it, the babies were just crying like i didn't like intellectually i was not bothered by it at all um you know babies on planes haven't bothered me for years i just it's just crying babies don't what didn't <laughs> bother <laughs> me um but for whatever reason like it was five o'clock and Chris was like, you know, <laughs> why is the kitchen a mess? And I'm like, these babies are crying. And I had, I'm wearing like ratty gym shorts and t-shirt. And I just I'm carrying them both in football holds. So I've got one in a football hold on the left, one on the right. And they're just uh, unhappy. And I just burst into tears. And I was just, I sat down on the couch and I was sobbing. And Chris got this look on his face. He's like, oh my God. What is maybe, happening? Maybe this is harder than I think it is. <laughs> I have never seen this man cry before. Like, what is happening? And I just sat there for 15 minutes just like, he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing's wrong. He's like, well, why are you bawling? And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, man. Uh, but, it, you know, it's been a, <laughs> he's been so much more supportive ever since. I'm like, well, why didn't I cry earlier in this relationship? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You're learning the ways to manipulate. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was cracking up laughing. One of your Facebook post updates was something about listening to Puff the Magic Dragon and you were crying. Oh yeah. Or something. Yeah, I was. I Because it was like, I don't know. It, you know, it's about little Jackie Horner growing up and no longer playing with Puff. And I just had this flash forward <laughs> to like how cute my kids are going to be and how fun it's going to be and christmas and halloween and all the holidays and then i was like oh my god they're gonna stop wanting to hang out with me and then i was like <laughs> what's wrong with me like that's like so far in the future oh my gosh welcome to parenthood yeah. <laughs> well it's been so much fun just following your posts and seeing the pictures and how much they've already grown and they're just so beautiful yeah, um close I'm to just... 14 pounds each now and they're wow. they are sleeping better um we were at the lake house the other day and Maggie slept for nine hours. Oh, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. So you and Chris have, you guys are very well traveled. You guys have been all over the world. Um, and why I, work for I love company. to travel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I always thought when I had my daughter, like I was just going to throw her on my back or put her in a, you know, a carrier and, and off to Europe, I would go until I actually had her and I flew to Seattle and I'm like, this is, this is no joke. Yeah. (laughs) And I've, you know, we've done a lot of domestic traveling just to visit family and we do an annual road trip together but I have yet, she's seven now, but I've yet to take her abroad. And I'm just curious, what are your guys' plans? Or do you think that um, you will travel with them? We have no immediate plans to travel with them. <laughs> and I don't blame you. <laughs> we, uh, we really, really, on the advice of, of all the parents we know, really hit it hard on the travel front last year. Um, we took a giant trip to the Philippines because Chris hadn't been there since he was a little kid. Um, we went, we went all over last year, a bunch of ski trips, um, Napa, Palm Springs, Puerto Vallarta. We went lots of places last year. So, um, so many places that I was actually a little bit burned out on travel. Hopefully they've got another trip. Uh, so we're the, the most ambitious we were going to get is we were going to try and get the kids up to Whistler so we could get in some skiing now that our, our au pair is with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, we would go up and ski a couple days and then she would snowboard one day and then we'd all come home. Uh, no airplanes involved. Um, but they, we decided last week that the, they're just not consistent enough sleeping. Um, and I learned that once you're not just looking for a single hotel room with one bed in it, that, you know, two bedroom hotel rooms are a all sold out and B the ones you can get are ridiculously expensive. So we're like, oh, oh yeah. it's expensive to travel with kids. Cause we would never want to like take our up here with us, but not have her have her own space for the time when she's not working. Of course. Uh, but we don't, we don't have any particular plans to travel with them anytime soon. Uh, I think we might break down and um, I'm sure we'll take some trips somewhere, but, um, right. we, we plan to just sort of have a few years where we don't travel. Yeah. So it's so interesting. I'm just thinking about like where you are in your life right now. I mean, many of our mutual friends have high school age or maybe have even graduated my daughters in elementary school. I mean, your forties are literally being marked by becoming a father. Yep. For sure. So this decade is going to be so dramatically different than the previous it was a big goal of mine to, I wanted to be a dad at 40 and I, I, I guess I barely made it. <laughs> the kids were born <laughs> in December and I turned 41 in January. Um, so that's been great. And my sister and I have had this conversation because she's only three years older than I am, but she's got a 15 year old and a 10 year old. Um, and I was like, Oh, you know, it's going to be so great for you. Um, you're going to be so young when your kids are off to college. And she's like, yeah, that's great. On the other hand, like you really hit it out of the park in your thirties. Like, you, you did a lot. Um, yeah. So, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. That's so true. I will I mean, say yeah. that I feel old when I'm <laughs> on like four hours of sleep. I feel like, wow, if only I were 30. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a difference. <laughs> yeah, it does. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was so fun to hear the whole backstory. And um, I especially loved hearing your journey from high school to meeting Chris. I didn't know any of that. So it's a, it's right. a good story. 
It is. I love it. Love it. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you have your babies to tend to. So um, thank you very much. So I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Ah. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And a special thanks to my guest, Mike. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest on The 40 Tellers, please visit my website, the40tellers.com, and I would love to chat with you. Also, don't forget to visit our episode sponsor, Humble North, to download your free lock screens. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Until next time.